Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome into Attacking Third. It's so great to be here with you guys. Darian Jenkins, Sandra Herrera, Lisa Carlin, and I am your host, Jenny Chu, here to give you all the women's soccer news that you need. Sandra, how was your weekend? Pretty good. Nothing like a weekend full of football. Ready to chat about it with y'all. Beautiful. Darian, how about you? Same, same. Still trying to stay warm. Just watching a lot of soccer. Thankfully, a lot more goals. So happy to talk about it today. I know you got a little yeah. color upgrade on that hair. It looks amazing. I did. Thank <laughs> you. It's a little red, but uh, I'm, I'm adjusting to it. It's, I love it. Yeah. Lisa, Lisa, nice. my dear, you're not in Charlie's office today. What's going on? I'm not. I know. I'm decided to do this one from home, um, which is nice. It's good to be home. I'm, I moved, as, as a lot of people know, so I'm trying to see some things, do some things on the weekend. And I went to professional women's hockey this past hey. weekend, uh, which is really fun. New York Yay. played Minnesota. It was a lot of fun. Went into overtime. Minnesota ended up winning uh, 2-1 at the end of it, but it was a really fun game. My adopted Midwest hockey team. I love them. <laughs> there you go. I've actually never been to a women's hockey game. Men's hockey scares me. Um, but Lisa and I played soccer together for the first time ever. We've been on the show together for I don't know how long. We played soccer mm-hmm. together. It was, it was some fun. Got to play with her husband as well. Um, fun. Highlight of my my last weekend, huh? My last week. Yeah. It was fun. It was a good time. Glad you had fun, Jenny. Now my back is hurting, but that's that's another news. Um, <laughs> let's go straight into the news because there's so much to talk about today and I want to get everyone's opinion on all of this. Um, first of all, we're going to start with some really positive historic news. Marie-Louise Etta made history by becoming the first woman to take charge of a men's team in a Bundesliga match. Snaps for that. Um, it was for Union Berlin. The head coach is serving a three-match ban. She's assistant. She stepped up. And c- congratulations to her. She obviously has a successful playing career and then went into coaching pretty early on. 
Um, does anyone have anything positive to say about this? Yeah, I, I, this is awesome. Here. Like, I think we talk so often about players that then transition to their post-retirement life, whether it's coaching or getting into the media side of it. Um, and she was a superstar. Like, she became a professional mm-hmm. at 17. She won Champions League. Um, she won the Bundesliga title a number of times. Like, this was a, a player that was just a rock star when she played. And she retired pretty young. She was in her mid-20s. And now to be able to take this next step and as an assistant coach, you never know when you're going to get the call up um, when something happens to your head coach. And that's exactly what happened for her. And she was able to, to get the job done. I think it gives you also like a taste when you're the assistant for so long of being that head coach and getting that win and knowing that it was you and it was all you. And you're the one that had a lot of influence on it and the players listened and got things done. I mean, this is cool history. I like this. Mm-hmm. Yep. All positives there. Um, let's continue with this news here. Aston Villa was deducted points, but they ultimately go through the Conti Cup quarterfinals. Um, so an, an independent tribunal have deducted three points from Aston Villa for fielding an ineligible player during their Conti Cup game against Sunderland on January 24th. Um, so kind of confusing here. I don't know if you guys want to break this down or if you want me to just run through this. Sandra, do you got, do you want this one? I mean, there's not much to break down. I mean, they they were high on on their player, and they said we really want a player. And <laughs> turns out that was an oops. We're gonna play her regardless. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, no, that was that was an oops. I mean, it's you know, it, we had to dig through some. You know, shout out to our researchers, and but understanding that it's been like ten years since the last time this actually happened. So, no, is it, is it the first time that this is a, that this has ever happened? Not necessarily, but it is kind of odd to see that a decade later that something like this could possibly happen. I think there was a little bit of attention on it, even more so in, in the fact that it's Conti Cup adjacent to Women's Super League, Manchester United. Aston Villa going to go head to head. We're going to talk about that later, but there's all of these, those concepts of like, Oh, like, is it going to be a distraction? Is it going to pull from, you know, from the game and stuff like that? Um, but, you know, I, I think in, in terms of what it's going to mean moving forward, turns out it was a mistake. <laughs> I guess some folks are going to say, some folks are going to say they were forgiven because I think some folks who are going to look at the history of that stuff and say, well, why, why didn't you abide by A, B, and C if this is how it was before, which is essentially disqualifying themselves, losing the points, and essentially not being able to move forward? But now they are going to be moved forward. I'm sure Manchester right. United will feel hard done by that in some type of way. But, you know, um, win your games, maybe. Wait, so, Sandra, forward. this is where I'm a little bit confused, though. Okay, so obviously um, Sunderland now finished first. Aston Villa, Tottenham, they all advanced to the quarterfinals. Manchester United are out, which you kind of mentioned there that they're upset about this. But my question is, did they do it the way you said? Like, yeah, we like our player. We have confidence in her. We're going to play her anyway. Or is there like a registration mistake that they don't know they've made a mistake? Like, how does this happen? Yeah, I think it's just how they're cap tied towards the previous tournament. So I think somebody, obviously, whomever is in charge of of retaining and acquiring players, those are things that should be on their radar that should be in front of them. How that went missing or how that got overlooked, it's not for me to to speak (laughs) on, but apparently it did. Uh, But when it comes to a player's experience within the tournament and then getting into a new squad and then go for some reason being made eligible and then building it, then that, that got by plenty of people. I don't think that got by just one person. I don't think that just happens out of, out of nothing. So um, yeah, it's, it's all, it's all based on the tournament, how they're kept at new team eligibility, but just, yeah, it's unfortunate. I'm sure there's going to be more to come from it. I don't think it's just yeah. 
going yeah. to be. Here's the independent council. They've given this decision. It's like, no, if anything, now that the decision has been made, there's going to be more that's going to be said about it, probably. Beautifully said. Um, okay, so to move on with the news, Sydney Snyder has signed to Chicago Red Stars. Um, I'm not sure... If anyone's surprised by this news, I mean, obviously we've seen her um, play before and we were aware of, of, of what she brings to the table, but I didn't see this one coming. Yeah, I mean, look, I think with Lauren Donaldson at the head of the Chicago Red Star team at this point, I don't know if, if you know, we'll be able to say that much longer when it comes to his own personal ties, his own experiences with, with Jamaican women's national team players. Sydney Snyder caught the attention of many during the 2019 World Cup. She's been on the radar, I think, for folks who have tried to follow the game, you know, globally to to a certain extent. But, you know, to be able to kind of essentially get what could be another keeper as part of that goalkeeper union in Chicago to keep things competitive moving forward, I think is important because that's what, you know, I've heard out of these Chicago camps that getting Lauren Donaldson in was a big part of trying to rebuild that culture. And that is kind of the current phase that they're in right now. Do they want to be competitive? Of course, they're a professional sports team, but there is so much emphasis on the culture rebuilding, the word fun being thrown around a lot more. And a lot of that that comes with it, you know, wanting to make sure that things are competitive within your camps, whether it's preseason or in season. So I think getting another piece like this as part of the goalkeeping core is good for them. Yeah, they need another goalkeeper. Yeah, they need another goalkeeper. This could also be a marker of maybe we'll see some more Jamaican national team players coming yeah. to Chicago. I mean, if you have a good coach, I would follow a coach to any team that they go to. Um, if you know, you know that you're going to develop and especially under better circumstances than what they have working with him in Jamaica, imagine with proper resources, good owners, um, a nice stadium to go play at good training setup, like really what type of players he can bring over to the Chicago side. I think we're going to see a lot more moves. Sydney Schneider's just, one of the first few that we're going to see the very beginning of the bucket for sure. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Okay, guys, this one is a tough one. I know we started really positively here with the good news. Jill Roard has suffered an ACL injury. Um, obviously plays for Manchester city provided six goals and two assists and 11 WSL appearances. But this is a tough one because she's going to miss the rest of the season. She's going to miss the Olympic games um, and nations league as well. But th- there's so much, to talk about here, um, Darian, I know that you suffered a career-ending injury as well um, with your ankle, but just the psychology of, of going through an injury like this. I read an article um, in The Athletic and how difficult it is because some, t- some of these players don't even have insurance, and then they find that out when they need surgery. And then after the fact, um, you know, they, they get cut from teams, obviously, potentially not Jill Roard, you know, a top player like that, but just the fact that this happens in women's football so often we've been seeing the World Cup absentees. I mean, there's so much to talk about here. H- how disappointing is it to hear another ACL tear in the game? Yeah, I mean, it's sad that it's become news that you kind of almost expect to hear um, injury, like honestly, one a week at this point. So I know that there's research being done and there's a lot more pressure on, um, yeah, the study of why this is happening to so many professional players. And is it overload? Is it training schedules? Is it not having the best resources or enough trainers or physical therapy? You know, we don't know what it is, but um, my heart goes out to her. It's what a year to do that. You know, her and a few others that have gone down that have a lot of tournaments and a lot of momentum going into this year. Um, it sucks. There's yeah, there's nothing else I can say to it that it sucks. But I think she is an amazing player, an amazing athlete, and she'll come back from this. It's it's going to suck, but she'll be able to do it and come back stronger than ever. 
Yeah, it's, I agree. It's, it's just crappy to hear, frankly, about this and another player. And in such a big year, uh, when you look at like internationally with the Netherlands, they're still looking to qualify for the Olympics. They um, made it to the Nation League semifinal. So they're still hoping to continue to play and move on, which they can do without Joe Roar, but it's going to be a lot harder. Uh, pretty devastating. And it happened so quickly into the match. It was like less than 10 minutes in. Um she, she gets hurt and has to be taken out and subbed. It's just devastating. Like, I, I hate that it's become almost normal for us to talk about it on this show every week. And I hate that. Yeah, it feels like it, the the whole concept of, you know, when, not if, you know, when it comes to this type of injury and, and this side of the game. And tough. I think, uh, you know, we're talking about what it means for the Netherlands possibly, but what it could possibly mean for, you know, Manchester City. I, look, I think the standings are what they are. Chelsea's on top. We know that they've been they've had the target on their back and they're the team to beat, but Manchester City has been putting together an incredible streak so far. And they are really out here to compete and to to say, "Hey, don't don't forget about us." So to to sort of have something like this can to to happen, it can really maybe jolt a thing or maybe kind of change the trajectory of certain momentum, you know, for for a team moving forward, um especially for the caliber of player you know, she, she is, I mean, this was a, a player that, that landed a record transfer fee, you know, for them, there was a lot of attention around this player. The fact that they nabbed a player of her, uh, of her caliber and ability and, you know, to kind of come out and, and be done uh, effectively for, for this, the remainder of the season with, with a really strong 11 appearances in her first season with, with the club, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. Yeah, definitely um, very disappointing news to go ahead and end um, our A block here on. But I just want to remind you guys that the World Cup absentees there, Leah Williamson, Beth Mead, Janine, Becky, Vivian, Miedema. I mean, there were so many players that suffered an ACL injury ahead of a big year as well, um, a big opportunity. But we've been seeing, you know, some of these players come back. Obviously, Vivian, Miedema with a beautiful goal. We'll get to that one. Um, But I just... I just want to throw out there, you know, for any of our listeners, if there's something more that we can do, because obviously we're continuing to have this conversation right here on Attacking Third. We talk about it. We bring um, conversation around it. There's articles written about it. Like, what more can we do to kind of force change here? Because we don't necessarily know what it is that the problem is, right? Like we talk about fixture congestion. We talk about um, potential period aspects. Um, you know, we, there's there's obviously a conversation around it. But what can we do, I think, is is a question I want to throw out there. Um if there's anything more that we can do to kind of, I don't know, increase visibility around this and make sure that there's change made. Because while there is research being done, what can we do? Because obviously nobody wants to go through an injury like that. Anyways, um, we'll go ahead and send this to a break because we're going to be talking about the NWSL, something we had planned for last week. We now bring it in to this week. Let's go ahead and get into that. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back into Attacking Third. Like I mentioned, we're heading into the NWSL season. We are 50 days out. Um, how's everybody feeling? Because this season kicks off March 16th, and it's coming quick and fast here, Darian. I know you said you have to get a, a bit of a vacation in before this gets going because it's going to be full throttle, full express. Oh, yeah. How many games is it? Like over 190 or is 190 exact? Uh, either way, we're going to be just watching games for the next 10 months solely. So I was, yeah, I was saying before we came on, like I need to go get a vacation somewhere <laughs> warm because I'm not about to have a life. Um, but that's okay because it's soccer and I love that. Um, but no, I'm, I'm hyped. I mean, I'm, I'm really happy about this new, <clears throat> excuse me, media deal because so long, at least since I've been in the league, the biggest part of why the league hasn't had the exponential growth that we've known it should have is because of the visibility aspect. Like there's been no way to watch games other than maybe you follow players on Instagram. And you see, Oh, I have to watch on Twitch or I have to download blah, blah, blah. Oh, now I don't have access because I'm not in this region. Like it's been a nightmare. Oh, nice. 190 on the dot. I was right. It's been a nightmare to be able to watch games. So now that there's all of this accessibility, there's all of these shows that are going to be talking about it. There's more media, Everyone around the world can watch these games. It's it's just going to be exactly what this league has needed for a long time and what it's deserved for a really long time, and these players especially. And hopefully this will just keep getting people to invest, invest, and there will be an NWSL team in every freaking state in the United States <laughs> in the Whoa. next... Darian, what's up? I, yeah, what's hey, up? We're, we're dreaming big. We're dreaming big. <laughs> Incredible. Delaware oh, United coming at you. A huge part of, of the broadcast and, and all of these matches. Obviously, you and Sandra started um, attacking third. I missed that one. Sorry, guys. You guys started attacking third. So you've been in on this for so long. How excited are you to go into this 2024 season and everything that's changed this season? I was so excited. Uh, yeah, Darian gave a shout out to Delaware United, which was hilarious. <laughs> I tried to think of the most random state um, I could. And I was like, that is the most Delaware random state. <laughs> Yeah. No, Jenny, it's great. I mean, the offseason moves so quickly. It really does. Like, it feels like just yesterday we were covering the NWSL championship on November 11th. And, but with the free agency and trades and two drafts that we had in this offseason, um, I'm like so ready for the games to be back. I've missed watching these players week in and week out. And frankly, there have been so many changes in this offseason. Um, and these teams are going to look a lot different. Like there are a number of new head coaches across the NWSL. Players have been traded across the country and, and signed with new teams based on free agency. It's going to be a new look this year and there's more teams. So um, yeah, Darian, our entire weekends are just going to be packed with NWSL and I frankly wouldn't have it any other way. And it is finally here, like the schedule release every day. I feel like we're taking one step closer um, where I'm like, okay, I got to get my ducks in a row. Like what players are on what roster? It's so mm -hmm. hard to track of it all. And I like it. I love the chaos of it. Um, it's so classic NWSL. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's the energy. It's time, just time to get like real cute and cozy and close because we're about to be huddled up for our weekends over the next eight months, right? It seems like when we took a look at the schedule when it first dropped, but that's also the energy. I think when Lisa and I were first initially reacting to it, it just sort of felt like that familiar kind of holiday that you look forward to every year, the, the schedule drop, and you get to see what's in front of you and you get excited about it and take a look at maybe what's new versus what happened the year before and the biggest thing is that this league is expanding to to 14 teams and so that's going to make uh, the competition even even better and you know we get hyped for this stuff too you know it's not just the the players and the coaches you know anybody who does media or content around this league is always really excited as well and ready to to hit the ground running when it comes uh, as close as it is at this point all right, Sandra, you wrote a ton of articles heading into this season. Um, the teams that you're excited for, you know, you've been working. So let's go ahead and talk about the teams you're excited about, uh, maybe who have the best transfer market. Literally, you take it in whatever direction you want because you've been writing about everything coming into this season. Yeah, like, you know, I, I it's it's funny because it's like I'm thinking about maybe one of the more recent things that I did. I think I threw out some like off-season grades, which is always funny because that's that kind of stuff is like taking into consideration like what how teams operated or navigated over their their off seasons and I think for this year you've had clubs that also needed to fill like coach head coaching vacancies they needed to like flesh out their you know their technical staff and it's not just about you know saying oh let's make sure that we give new contracts to players but there's free agency now like how do some teams do around free agency and it's so funny when like you put the work in and then it gets published and then you see the fax machine catch up to your article and all of a sudden these, <laughs> these moves, all these moves are announced and you're like, Oh, okay. Like surely that would have bumped up uh, a franchise, like an entire letter grade. But anyway, you know, so, but I think for, for me, I think maybe both of the expansion teams, I'm excited to see what, what they're going to bring moving forward. I think in, in Bay FC and in Utah Royals, they kind of, um, they kind of navigated and, and and managed like the concept of building out a roster or that inaugural roster in different ways a little bit, you know, kind of, um, you know, whether it was through uh, player acquisition for uh, Utah Royals where they wanted to stay more local. They want, you could see that they were trying to really have that definitive kind of culture building right away. And like how, what is one of the quickest ways that you could do that? Probably by picking up a bunch of local kids or bringing players who played in the area back to the state. That was a really quick way to do that. And I think that's going to be helpful, you know, in terms of, you know, having a new head coach in, in the mix. This is going to be Amy Rodriguez's first stint as a head coach in this league. How's that going to look? How's that going to come come together pretty quickly? And same with Bay FC. Like I said, they, they navigated things a little bit differently and now they just announced we had Dana Castellanos on the show. They finally got that international signing that I was looking for. I was like, geez, I'm like, where is this at from, from Bay FC? You know, we kind of heard a lot about all this investment and all these resources that they're putting into the team. So to see them finally get to announce that I think is really, really exciting. And there's some, there's a little bit of a precedent that's set for them as well. You know, I don't think that concept of like, okay, you're an expansion club. We're going to give you some grace. Maybe you're not going to get it together during that first season, but we've got San Diego wave. Who's already made a bunch of history in just their few seasons of existence hit the ground running. we got angel city who finally punched their ticket through to, to the playoffs. So it's, it's, we've got a lot of different examples to, to pull from here for expansion sides. We've got exactly. a couple of teams in California who have set that. And we've got teams like Houston Dash, Orlando Bride, who have kind of had to struggle, or Racing Louisville, who are still looking to kind of punch their way back in. So I'm 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 curious to see how how Bay FC and Utah do this year. 
Sandra, I am right there with you. I'm excited to watch Bay FC. Um, I think we have been able to get a very clear picture from Albert Montoya about what type of soccer he wants to play with this club. And he has kind of laid the groundwork for that. He's been very transparent about that. They want to keep the ball. They want to possess. They want to be attacking minded. They want to defend by keeping possession of the ball. A, A team like Utah, though, although I am excited to watch them, they are a team that has the biggest question marks around them for me because we don't really know what they're going to look like. Amy Rodriguez is a first-time head coach, and I don't even think she knows exactly what she wants to play with yet. I mean, I'm sure now as, she as, said we, get that. Yeah. Preseason, yeah, as we get into preseason, hopefully those things are shaping out because otherwise it's very scary to hear if you're a big fan of Utah that – uh, you don't know how you're going to play or what it's going to look like, which there well, could be two a player sides coming to that in. Coin. Yes. Yes. And there's two sides that's to scary. that coin, right? Like that's can be exciting and like, okay, we're going to look at our personnel. And I think that is how Utah is trying to spin it. But for me, it just opens up more cans of worms about inconsistency and, and being able to kind of establish a culture if you don't have that foundation. They do have a number of, of veterans on their roster for Utah, like Kaylee Real, Monty Dorsey, Paige Monahan, um, Ifeona Mono. Like these are players that have been around the league and can understand things, but they also have a lot of young players and a lot of new players that when you have a new head coach that has never been a head coach before in the NWSL with 14 teams and your style is still unknown, uh, it makes for a lot of work in preseason. So I'm kind of curious to see how the next month and a half goes for Utah and kind of when they when they play on March 16th, that opening day, what are they going to look like? So I'm very intrigued to watch them, but they have a lot of question marks, as does Houston Dash for me, frankly. This is a team that had a great defense last year, stingiest defense in the league. Jane Campbell, their goalkeeper, gets goalkeeper of the year, but they couldn't score goals last year. They could not find the back of the net. And in the offseason, they did not make enough moves to warrant a, a goal-scoring threat for me for this Houston side. Yes, they got Yuki Nagasato, who can contribute in the attacking end. Yes, they got CC Kaiser, who can score goals. But none of these players are goal fiends by any means. And that's what I really wanted Houston to pick up in this offseason. Someone who just can score goals with their eyes closed and knows how to find them back in the net and just has a lot of um, goal-scoring threat. And they didn't do that. So curious to see kind of how Houston can find goals this year in the NWSL. Meanwhile, um, I have to, I went to like question mark teams. I got to give a positive out there. Gotham FC, holy cow. You added seven players in this offseason, four of them World Cup winners. You just won the national championship or the, the championship for the league. Uh, I, I love what Gotham's doing and all eyes are going to be on them uh, with the target on their back because they are the reigning champions and they just continued to get stronger D. I, I liked it. I liked it too, but I did have question marks about Gotham because I think when you, I, I'm curious to see how the style of play is going to unfold because I think I keep thinking from a player's perspective perspective because last year, yes, they had some superstars, but it was still a team that was, very much developmental, very much kind of in the grind of came in last place. There was a lot to make up for zero expectations on them. And they freaking won a championship. Well, now you're a team full of superstars. That's a lot of personalities. That's a lot of, Oh, if I'm in this position, I'm likely not going to play. If I'm looking at this roster and I'm a rookie coming in, or I'm a player that's kind of on the cusp of maybe at the end of the season, had a lot of minutes like a plainy, like a player, like a Delaney Sheehan who now you look at this midfield and wow, that sucks to kind of come in and be like, 
well, okay, am I actually going to play here? Uh, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that dynamic's going to play out. Um, I think we've seen that on a few teams where it doesn't always, the math doesn't always math how yeah. we want it to. And that's okay. But I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to go. She was massive uh, in that season, in that championship final. That's a massive. Great yeah. Um, but the team that I'm really excited to watch is actually Louisville. I think speaking to Bev got me so hyped yeah. for Louisville, which has never been a team that I've like been that excited to watch, never excited to go play there. Um, it's always just kind of going to be like, you're going to die for running so much because you know, there's no like flow to the game anytime I play Louisville. And frankly, when I've watched them most of the time. So I think with speaking to her and hearing about how she, it's almost like when Juan Carlos joined Gotham last year, that's the same feeling I have with her is like, she's there to develop, to shake everything up, to really give this team an identity, to get the players bought in. And even when you don't have a team full of superstars, which we know Louisville lost a lot of big players and and gained a few, but when you have a team that's not full of superstars, like you just have to put your head down and grind. And I think those are actually the teams where like it's the hero story that I love to see. And so I'm excited to see how that actually kind of unfolds this next season. Um, yeah, the team that I have the most questions is, is actually Utah as well, Lisa. I, I keep thinking like if I saw my head coach say, well, we don't, I don't know what our style of play is yet. I'd be like, well, what? Wait, wait a minute. You don't know what you told me when you were recruiting. Yeah, what are we doing here? Like, yeah, I move yeah. in tomorrow. Like that, yeah. that's kind of crazy. So I'm curious to see how that's going to unfold. Um, yeah. I know a lot of kinks will be worked out in preseason. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure a lot of question marks around it i hope that you know a rod is probably going to prove us all wrong and have like this stellar style of play where it's really attacking minded scoring lots of goals um if i was a forward going there i would be really excited about it but um yeah i'm curious especially with the formation style the personnel she has it's a lot of byu players like are you going to build on that like you know there there's a lot there's a lot in there so i'm excited to see what she's going to do what do you guys think about Portland Thorns? Because this is a team that has a lot of good pieces and they did just re-sign Christine Sinclair, Becky Sauerbrunn. But they lost some really big names in their back line. Emily Mengis, uh, Natalia Quica. They didn't really make that many offseason moves. Are, are you expecting more from Portland to come during this preseason? Like they, they've been really quiet. They've been really quiet. And Crystal. Yeah. Yeah. They lost, they lost a lot of players. They got some turnovers. Lisa, what a great point because I haven't even really considered them. Like I have like notes on all the teams and because they've been so quiet and I don't even think of them as like a huge contender in the, at the moment. Uh, what a great shout there. Which is wild because <laughs> they have like Smith. <laughs> exactly. Some of our questions for this segment were like um, not so good of a transfer market. And I was looking and I put them there and then I removed them because I was like, well, just because you didn't make any moves doesn't mean you had a not so good transfer market. Yeah. But then I re-added Portland to that not so good transfer market column because they really, they lost a lot of pieces and they haven't added those in and they haven't filled those holes, which Darian, as you were talking about, it does allow room for those other players that have been behind a player like Crystal John to step in and take over. But it's really hard to buy into that mentality when you've been a team of superstars and been a team of mm -hmm. really consistent players over the last several years to just have a complete shift in mentality and now try to be this blue collar um, grind out game mentality team that I just frankly don't ever see. But that's Portland never today. been who they are. Exactly. You know, it's so strange. That's what's, it's weird, right? It's like, you can't put them in the good or bad category because you look at that roster and you're like, mm -hmm. there's still a really good roster. And you they're know good, that they have, they're literally just like what a year or two removed from their 
championship, yeah. you know? And it's like, you. I remember like reacting to this and writing about it when they first lost Crystal Dunn earlier in the off season and being like, what, what does it mean? Here's what it could mean for Gotham, but here's what it could mean for Portland. And what it meant for Portland at the time was not a damn thing because they still had a really stacked mm-hmm. midfield in terms of, of who was available at that time. Sam Coffey, Olivia Moultrie building up and building up Rocky Rodriguez at the time, but then they went and they, tr- they traded her too. So it's like, how is it like, what is this team going to look like? going forward? How are they going to look like? Are some of those younger, um, Drafted pieces that they just got into the mix going to be tasked with a little bit more moving forward. You know, what are we going to see out of, um, you know, a Rene Reyes that they drafted last mm-hmm. year? You know, what are we going to see out of an Izzy Diakia if, if, if she's within their plans, you know, to kind of build up and, and, and move forward? So, well, this also makes it's making sense that Jesse Fleming, this rumor that yeah. my former Bruin, her dad was actually my agent when I played LOL. <laughs> shout out, shout out John Fleming. He's he's a good guy. Um but yeah, that's kind of making sense though that she there's a big gap there where I think she would thrive playing for that team with Sinclair, Sophia Smith. Like that could be a really good fit. Obviously, having that Canadian connection with Christine Sinclair, who just extended for a year, like Lisa mentioned, is important. But I will say one thing that I learned um, talking to some Portland players is the way that the new ownership group has come in. Um, staff has split. So if you were like a trainer for um, the Timbers and Thorns, you'd have to pick. So you were no longer allowed to be um, employed by both. So some people have picked only staying with the Thorns and only staying with the Timbers. So that didn't change everything like in the backroom staff, um, in the business side, like uh, social media wise, like PR wise, all of those things have changed. So I guess what what that means is like everything that had been around Portland at being a, a unit has now split. So what does that look like on the field now, um, considering that there's so many changes behind? Um, I just wanted to get in quickly because I know you guys are the analysts here, and I don't want to step on your feet, but that I feel like San Diego Wave um, kept most of their roster, and then they added Savannah McCaskill, which you guys have heard me say so much about her as a player. I think she's an absolute difference maker. I can't believe um, she was let go, but I think she's going to absolutely control so much for San Diego to pair her up with Jane Shaw and, and Alex Morgan, I think is going to be insanely beautiful. Um, I want to see her get some more time with the, with the U S women's national team as well. And then I, I have some questions slash like interest in Orlando's Brazilians, you know, adding a couple more Angelina and Luana and having now five, as Sandra mentioned in her article there um, f- with Orlando has me, has me curious. I do want to mention really, really quickly. Um, Asisat, Ashwala is potentially coming to the NWSL. We've seen some really credible reporting on that. It hasn't been finalized, but if she does go, just really quickly, because I know we're running out of time here, uh, number one team, we would see her going to Lisa. Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, at Houston. I want her to go to Houston. They need okay. some people Ooh, that can score, score goals. Score goals. Darian? I want her to link up with my other Nigerian beauty, Ify, in Utah. There you go. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. I oh man, I I don't know if I had like a a team that I was stuck on. I would have loved to see this type of player come to Chicago, but I don't know if there's enough foundation there for a player of her her caliber to 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 come through. Um, but I don't know. Listening to the two of you say your picks, Houston. I think Lisa sold me on Houston. <laughs> That's Boom. Yeah. All right. Um, I think the only place she's not going is Washington Spirit following her coach. All right, let's go to a commercial <laughs> break. We'll be right back talking WSL weekend.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Welcome back in to Attacking Third. Darian, Sandra, Lisa, Jenny here with you guys. This is the time. We talk about the WSL weekend and there was plenty of action. I'm going to go through the scores and then we will touch in on all of the matches. So Brighton against Chelsea. Chelsea getting that 3-0 win. Manchester United beating Aston Villa 2-1. Everton losing to Leicester City. A really important win for Leicester City. Tottenham losing 2-0 to Manchester City. Bristol City losing to West Ham and Arsenal getting the 2-0 win against Liverpool. Let's go ahead and get started with Chelsea against Brighton just because that was the first match that was played um, in terms of chronological order here. Um, wow. Wow. Lauren James, outstanding. That's all I have to say. Go ahead. Lisa, go, go, go. Yeah, Jenny, for sure. She is outstanding. I think it's fun. And I mean, it's so fun to watch Lauren James play her first goal. She ends up with a brace in this game for Chelsea. Um, and her first one just looks so effortless and seamless. I was like, girlfriend, how did you just pull it out of your back pocket? Like one so touch. casual, but this was, I think a really telling game for Chelsea because in the first half, they did not play their best football. And frankly, Brighton did a really good job. They were organized defensively. They they kept Lauren James concealed most of the time. Like it was tough for her to get a lot of touches on the ball, which is a game plan when you're going up against a player like Lauren James. Um, and there was plenty of chances for Chelsea and they couldn't put them away. At halftime, uh, Emma Hayes said post game kind of what she said she she told her team hey you have to have more urgency uh it's one thing to be in control but you have to have more intent in the final third and that's exactly right in, in the first 45 they were creating chances and opportunities but they weren't actually finding back the net second half things changed immediately for for Chelsea as they stepped out onto the pitch because then Lauren James gets one in the 46th minute Frank Kirby gets another one uh, just a couple minutes later 51st minute and then again before the hour mark, it's already 3-0 at that point. So there was a run where Chelsea was on point and, and hitting their stride. Uh, we got to see the debut of Myra Ramirez, the forward for Chelsea. We talked about, I was wrong. I'll admit Ooh, it. I was like, she's you not heard it here. Play. Lisa said it. <laughs> I, I said she wasn't going to play. Uh, Emma, he's <laughs> talked to her and said, I, she said, quote, 
I told Ramirez uh, she, when she came into the game, there's the goal, there's the fans, welcome to Chelsea. And that's exactly what she did. I, I think she looked really good. She's strong. She's physical on the ball. And she just added another wrinkle into the attack for Chelsea um, that will definitely, definitely help them moving forward. One thing I noticed about this game, actually not even just this game, but when I watched Chelsea with Lauren James, sometimes her own teammates get in her way. Like, let the girl cook because there's a lot of times where, like, I know Chelsea's movement is to get, like, a lot of their game plan is to get the ball wide, swing crosses in, um, and just finish off of there. But she's such an individual, brilliant, 1v1 artist that I think a lot of times the runs that come around her, it just brings more defenders. And it actually happened a lot in the first half where I thought, oh, she's going 1v1, let her cook, let her cook. Someone would make a run and then she'd be double teamed. And it, it's happened a lot the last few games that I've noticed. So let Lauren James cook. She don't need any help, especially anywhere around the 18. Just let her be lethal. Um, but the game that I want to talk about is United Aston Villa. I thought Nikita Paris looked great. Um, United under a little bit of pressure right now, but I thought that she was a player that made something out of nothing. Um, I had a coach once tell me that defenders always need to think worst case scenario and forwards always need to think best case scenario. And I think she encap encapsulates that and Aston Villa were their own worst enemy in this game. I thought a lot of this came off of their own mistakes, um, lack of anticipation of a ball coming off the crossbar and not really like looking around to see where a defender, uh, where an attacker is or any sort of spatial awareness. Um, but I thought United looked good. It was fun to see them build up a little bit more. I thought they had some good moments of combination play, um, but yeah, that was, it was a good match. Nikita Paris all the way, getting the brace, taking them to the dub. Um, uh, it was a good match. Forwards this weekend, I thought in general looked pretty lethal. And looked mm -hmm. pretty special. I think it's a good shout to maybe kind of talk about Lauren James and Nikita Paris in the same, in the same way, just the forwards that make the difference for the team when maybe you think it's looking a certain way, but all of a sudden they just sort of turn it on. And I just think like we are speaking about, Lauren James, week in and week out with these performances, I think we touched on it a lot with Bunny Shaw in our previous episode. And we were kind of like going through games that we want to keep an eye on this weekend where you just get a striker that's in their sort of their let, let me go and try some stuff era, mm -hmm. like a striker that's in their heat check era, like is just such a dangerous thing to kind of witness on the pitch. And then, of course, if you're trying to defend against that, watch out so I just liked I just I really just enjoyed so much kind of noting some of those differences like you said like Darren is a great child to say like maybe some of some of her teammates are getting in her way and then to see this arrival of, of Mayra Ramirez and just kind of seeing how maybe things opened up a little bit differently I can't it's like it's just like just a taste but it's just like you just want I just want to see more of it now that we just got just a quick very quick glimpse of it but I'm also like watching this game there's a I, I really love what Emma Hayes kind of the messaging that she kind of gave them to kind of go out there and and, and kind of finish things up because I look there's nothing unfair at taking a look at the two teams that are going head to head and saying this team right here should go out there and beat that team right there like there's nothing unfair and I think when we're looking at Chelsea and Brighton that there was a big part of that so the fact that Emma Hayes is like had to go in there and say hey wait a minute <laughs> let's wake up a little bit because it's not it's not exactly where we want it to be. 
So I I, I respect that deeply. I think it, it's a testament to how Chelsea functions and operates. I think it's, you know, it's um, it's special when a when a, the players can respond to that and say, "All right, let's go ahead and and wrap things up." So, um, good stuff from from Chelsea for sure, and Lauren James specifically. Yeah, I just wanted to to copy there on Mayra Ramirez. Just get a quick comment because that we talked her up um, heading into her potential debut. She did get the debut. Um, for her to come in at the kind of end, I thought that was a perfect amount of time for Emma Hayes to kind of just let her get her feet under her. Um, and you do see her ability to have hold up play. You do see very similar characteristics as we saw when she played with Levante. Um, her ability to turn defenders, to go through defenders in a way that like she does not care who's around her. She will put her head down and she will dribble through you guys. Um, what I wanted to see, and I mentioned it last week, is like how does she do against better opposition defensively? You know, obviously the league is a little bit different, and I feel like she has not missed a mark, right? Like she's confident as uh, um, to do it, and she can do it. The way that she turns, the way that she can kind of maneuver through everybody, incredibly impressive. And I, I'm excited to see her kind of learn to team up with the people around her because Guru Wrighton has done so well. I mean, Frank Kirby um, has done so well. Just everyone that she can kind of play around, Aaron Cuthbert, whatever it is, obviously Chelsea fan here. So um, I'm excited to see my <laughs> continue um, el desarrollo under Emma. Um, yeah, so, well, I agree. I agree with that, Jenny, for sure. I, I I like it. I was actually watching this game and I was thinking, Jenny is going to like this. She's going to want to talk about this a little yeah. bit, um, especially like Guter right in and, and that type of play. She had a great I wanna, game. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Jenny, I was thinking game. of you. Um, I want to I want to talk. I want to give a shout out to Bristol and West Ham because this was my game heading into the weekend that I was like, these are bottom of the table teams. This is the match that is going to create separation in the table. And that's exactly what we got at the end. West Ham defeats Bristol 2-1. And now West Ham is ahead of Bristol with three points ahead of them in the table. They were tied um, and it was only goal differential that was keeping West Ham ahead of them. And this was really tough for Bristol. They were at home and now their mountain to climb is just that much steeper in order to stay in the Super League and not be relegated. We got to see for West Ham, Shalina Zdorsky, her first start since she joined uh, West Ham in January. Um, this was physical. It was it was kind of a scrappy match, kind of how things played out in the end of it. But interesting little storyline here. We got to see uh, Sitara Murray, who plays for Bristol City. She got play in the back line, and they were playing with a three back. I mean, it was really like five or six in the back at times. They were really settled in in the back. Um, but then she ends up getting hurt, a little bit of a knock at the end of the first half. Murray gets out, subbed out, and Lisa Evans subs in, who um, is playing against her former club. She was she departed West Ham just last week. She made it onto the roster. There was no issues there. And she comes in for Bristol City um, right before the halftime. Then we saw Bristol City switch to a back four when Lisa Evans came in. So that changed things up a little bit because the first five minutes of the second half, West Ham gets one. Bristol City, they come back, right, and they equalize. Um, before West Ham finishes off in the 55th minute. But as soon as Bristol City equalized, the game opened up. And with playing in a four back, I think that helped them kind of keep possession of the ball a little bit more, be able to contain West Ham's front line. Uh, ultimately, though, just not enough for it because West Ham gets the win. That's their first win in eight league matches. I mean, it was, it's been the struggle bus for West Ham, but now they move on. They have that separation. And I think they can just take a deep sigh of relief because they're no longer just struggling to stay above water at the bottom of the table. 
relegation battle. Who doesn't love it? I love it. <laughs> Lisa loves it. <laughs> I hear you. I love that. I love that the games that we like wanted to keep an eye on over this weekend are kind of like the games that ended up delivering. Like it gave. They just gave. Like each game that we we chose, like absolutely gave. I know Darian touched on on United and and Villa a little bit, but I think like we got to talk about maybe some of the the drama around it. Like we talked about it a little bit with with Villa having you know in Conti Cup having to, you know, field an ineligible player. Was this going to be a distraction? You know, like, is this going to be the game that Man United comes out here and finally gives a, a full 90-minute performance and walks away with three points? I know when we were trying to preview things, I was like, they need to go out here and win this game. Like, don't drop another one. Like, they're at this phase in the season where they just cannot drop points. They have officially lost ground when it comes to chasing one of those top three spots in the league. and when it's getting to a point where your coach is getting a little bit more vocal about it, I'm sorry. I got to say that that is a coach that understands and is feeling the heat mm-hmm. at the moment. So the fact that. Say name, Sandra. I mean, everybody, I mean, come on. If you're not, if you're not paying attention, <laughs> if you don't know if it's already Mark Skinner at this point, I don't know what to tell you. Come <laughs> in and watch women's super league when you can every once in a while. But look, this is, this is not uncommon at, at this point. He's kind of been a little vocal at certain times, but the fact that you're still doing that, even when you're getting a win, I think is like kind of, mm-hmm. it kind of alludes to a little bit, it, you know, maybe troubles in the water there, but. I think for the player's sake, getting out there and racking up, you know, all three points, I think is massive. I think it's an absolute bit of a morale booster. I think having the type of performance that Nikita Paris ended up having in that one is is, is pretty positive. I think you maybe every once in a while, especially when you find yourself perhaps in a slump, you want to see that player that can go out there and make that difference and make that change. And I love the performance that she had out there um, for United. But is it going to be enough? Is this going to be that game that kind of turns things around a little bit for for the club I, I don't really know if it is I do want to say one thing Sandra um since we were kind of talking about what we talked about leading up to like what games are we um, looking forward to I obviously talked about Manchester against Tottenham and I was like I just want to see Bunny Cook and score lots and lots of goals and that's <laughs> not exactly what happened because um it was a close game it was only two nil um the first goal give to Bunny Shaw it was an own goal but that was her pressure that gets that and then she does end up scoring but um, just quick shout outs, Lauren Hemp on the left side. I think she was dominant. She showed her stuff. Uh, Bunny Shaw, obviously dominant, but Wang Shuang debuted for Tottenham. And obviously she, she played here in the NWSL. And then I thought she got some good touches and she looked, um, she was the best player for she them. Was able to get some really mm-hmm. good passes in behind for Tottenham. And that kind of changed the dynamic of that team. Listen, the last time they played against each other, it was seven nil Manchester City one. So for this to only be two nil and for Tottenham to look a little bit better, I thought that was a really um, good turnaround for them. But obviously, you know, Bunny Shaw is Bunny Shaw. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> Martha Thomas does score a goal. It gets called back. But th- that just shows that it was way, way closer for Tottenham and Manchester City than we expected. So I have to throw some apologies for all Tottenham fans because I was like, listen, we- we're going to cook. Like, ma- Bunny's going to cook. Um, let's just finish off with the last match we're going to talk about here. Liverpool against Arsenal. Obviously, Vivian Miedema's goal. Oh, my God. Who wants to take this one? we got to talk about the goal and Emily Fox. I mean, I can. I I had, at the beginning of the match, I'd put Fox is on fire. I thought she looked like she's played in this league on this team for years. She looks super comfortable. I think the style fits her well. She looks so smooth on the ball. She looks how she was playing in the World Cup with the U.S. Women's National Team, um, where she just looks, she genuinely looks like a veteran 
and like she rarely makes mistakes because she she really rarely does um but i loved how much more in the attack she was getting she was getting out of pressure 3v1 dribbling up the line plays as great ball almost square across the face of the pitch which i don't know what that says about liverpool which says a lot <laughs> but um a square ball across the pitch to Mirama, who just scores such a banger like she hasn't skipped a beat since coming back from her injury and it's so good like it makes my heart happy to see a player you know we've talked about acls at the beginning of the seg- the show um but to come back and have that confidence as sandra put how do you put it sandra that they're just trying things yeah they're, they're just they're doing things. stuff there they're just yeah. In, yeah yeah like she is still hasn't have lost that. that yeah she's in her zone she hasn't lost that and i know coming back for an injury it's the hardest part is the mental part of feeling confident trusting your body trusting your ability to do those things and she hasn't skipped a beat so amazing to watch and fox player of the match i wasn't surprised because i thought she yeah. was Everything, everywhere, all at once. Second time in a week, I'm saying that. <laughs> um, but she, she really was. I think she, she just attracts the ball, and all of the play was coming through her. It, it was fun to watch. She has really already made a name for herself with Arsenal and the WSL. Yeah, loved it. Love what that means for for Mitama. Love, love the performance for Emily Fox. I, I also just really love that Emily Fox is just like a couple of games into her Women's Super League career. And there are folks on, across the pond who are like, this Emily Fox can play. <laughs> and we're just, they didn't and we're know. Just like, yeah. Welcome to the we club. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I will add one thing about Liverpool. They did change their tactics. Thankfully, they did change their tactics. My (laughs) God. Stop playing out of the back. If you're not good at it, don't do it. You don't have the confidence. Thankfully, Matt Beard was having them go long, like the low risk. We'll just play the ball up high. And based on the scoreline, it worked out for them. So, Well, maybe he listened last week to the episode because that's all you said. You were like, change it up. You're getting stale. It it was broken. Fix it. It was broken. All right, ladies, that was awesome. That was so much coverage. We did all of the news, NWSL. We also did WSL. Um, I thought that was a great show. Lovely being with you guys. Thanks for listening in to Attacking Third, and we'll see you next time.